Welcome to Alley All Ears, a podcast from the Alley Theater, Houston's theater. Alley All Ears features interviews with directors and designers, playwright Q&As, sneak peeks, and behind-the-scenes information. This week, we focus on classic playwrights featured in our digital season. These conversations with artistic director Rob Melrose and guest dramaturgs focus on August Strindberg, Henrik Ibsen, and Luigi Pirandello. Now sit back, relax, and learn more about these fascinating playwrights and their plays. From our home to yours, Alley All Ears. So my first question is, you obviously have seem to have a close relationship with Strindberg as an artist with his work. Um, can you talk a little bit about what your first encounter was with him and sort of what your history with Strindberg as a playwright is? Yeah. Well, it it's, goes all the way back to when I was 18 and I was wow. um, an incoming student at Princeton. And I, I met a, a young woman, a, a, an incoming senior, uh, at the at a party, and um, that turned out to be, um, you know, my friend, later my girlfriend, and later mm-hmm. my wife, Paige Rogers. And, say, of course, it started so, with a girl. <laughs> it did. It did. So we <laughs> we we fell in love, and that first year, and it was her senior year, and her thesis project was um, Strindberg's most famous play, Miss Julie. Mm-hmm. And she had her actor's notebook. You know, she was doing a, 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 a production of it. And, but she spent the entire year researching and studying it. And she had a notebook that had an image of a snake on it but that she found in a magazine because that was her image of who, of who Miss Julie was. And so I really um, had it as a part of my life, you know, that mm-hmm. whole year as she was working so hard to get, get her, her thesis production ready. And then my second semester, I took a course in modern drama and I was a real eager beaver. And uh, I wrote to my professor during the intercession and I said, hey, could you give me the um, reading list? Because I'd like to read ahead. And he sent me the syllabus and it was plays by Ibsen, Strindberg and Chekhov. And uh, I spent that intercession, it's a week, I read all the plays. So I came wow. to the first day having read, read everything, and, and I just steeped myself in, in, in Ibsen, Strindberg, and Chekhov, and just really, really uh, loved, loved these playwrights. And then after, um, after college, my first professional job was directing a play of his called Creditors, which is the play he wrote after um, Miss Julie. Miss Julie and Creditors are kind of his famous realistic plays and mm-hmm. famous plays about the struggle between men and women. Then when I was uh, at um, the Yale School of Drama as a directing MFA student, my thesis was um, his last play or one of his last plays, The Great Highway, Mm-hmm. which is kind of a dream play that kind of looked on, the, you know, uh, throughout his life. And, um, of course, uh, Strindberg wrote all different kinds of plays, realistic plays, um, dream plays, and, and things mm-hmm. kind of in between. And, and Great Highway is a really great example of his kind of dream plays. 
then kind of the plays in between are, are the series of plays, these five plays called the Chamber Plays. And when I started the theater, the Cutting Ball Theater in San Francisco, one of our biggest projects was to be the first theater in the world to do all five of his chamber plays in rep with a company of actors. So we, we, we did that in celebration um, of his, um, I think it was the, 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 the celebration of a hundred years after his death. Um, we celebrated um, um, him by doing a marathon of, of seven and a half hours of theater. These chamber plays are each about um, an hour and 15 minutes and you put mm-hmm. them all together. It's a big, big thing. And then another play I directed twice in my life is, is this play, uh, a dream play, which is this idea yeah. of a dream play. What if a play is like a dream? Um, and, and, and so I've, I've done that play twice in my life. And, and the very last thing I did before we started doing these plays is I was invited to Sweden <clears throat> to the Strindberg's Intimate Theater, which is the th- a theater he founded at the end of his life. And he wrote the chamber plays for that theater and they did the first four, but then he had a falling out with the theater and they didn't do the fifth one, the black, the black love. And I got to know the artistic director of the theater and said, you know, I, I, I directed the black love and the States. I, I really love it. What would you think if I came to Sweden and directed it um, in the theater, you know, that it was written for and, and it had never been performed there. So, um, you know, two years ago, um, around Christmas, it's a Christmas play. I, I, I directed, um, the Black Love on, in Swedish on the stage where, um, you know, that it was intended for 110 years after it was written. So it took 110 years to do it. And, and we got a really beautiful review. And it said, you know, the review said, apparently it takes an American to come over here and do this play on our stage 101, uh, 110 years after it was written. So it was, it was fun. But that's, that's kind of my, that's a brief rundown of my, my long, <laughs> deep relationship with um, Mr. August Strindberg. That's, oh, that's a lot of really cool things <laughs> to kind of jump off of there. You talked to, you hit on a lot of the things that, I kind of wanted to talk about, but um, one thing that I'd really like to know is obviously you have worked on a lot of Strindberg in your life, mm-hmm. but um, how do you think that having that foundation and that relationship with him has informed your work on other pieces, on even more contemporary pieces or other modern pieces? Yeah. Well, the th- the thing I love best about um, Strindberg is what an experimenter he was. Yeah, um, he really was. He, yeah, it's <laughs> it, you, as you know, no two plays are alike. I mean, no mm-hmm. two plays have the same approach. And you know, we'll talk about Ibsen a little bit later. But Ibsen, you know, who's who's the you know Strindberg's most famous playwright from Sweden. Um, uh, Ibsen's the most famous playwright from Norway. They lived at the same time, and Ibsen moved to Italy. He lived on the island of Ischia and he had uh, a formula uh, or uh, you, you could call it a formula or you can call it a method. He had um, every two years, he would spend two years 
And like clockwork, she'd put out another play and she just kind of went through methodically and wrote play, you know, this play, this play, this play. And they, they have a really rock solid structure and, and, and they're, they're made like, um, a Swiss watch. I mean, and, and, and that's something to really love about Ibsen. But what, what you love about Strindberg is almost the exact opposite. He, he was manic. I mean, he was, he was crazy. He was literally, literally crazy. He, he, he got um, locked up in a, an insane asylum for mm-hmm. a, a period of his life. I mean, he, he was volatile, uh, volatile. He, he, mm-hmm. he, he, he was very almost had yeah, a very troubled person. He almost he, very emotional, very emotionally driven, mm-hmm. never, um, you know, there was no relationship in his life that really lasted. I mean, he, he, he had very deep friendships and, you know, that he'd have a falling out, uh, a violent falling out with many, many, many yeah. people. Very tumultuous marriages. Tumult- yeah, three tumultuous marriages. But what's cool about him is that, you know, because of that, his, his work um, is really... Um, you know, instinctual. It, it, you know, it, it's the opposite of a very methodical thing. It, it, he, he kind of comes at his work kind of from the gut, from the emotions, and every play is really its own being. And mm-hmm. and so um, that's something I've I've really taken into my own work. You know, like I mean, for he'll do a very very realistic play, and it'll be short, and it'll be kind of a slice of life you know, like the stronger and, and he'll give himself the, the rule. Well, one, one actor talks, one actor is completely silent, right? He wrote the short story, half sheet of paper. And he basically said, I want to capture two years of life in a, in a half sheet of paper. And, 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 um, so it's one of the most compact short stories, you know, you can ever imagine. Um, Pariah also is, is very much kind of like a, almost like an Edgar Allan Poe story, um, you know, very, very contained. And, and it's also very realistic, but then, you know, he wrote plays like a dream play and said, Oh, this is going to be like, uh, this play is going to function like a dream. It's going to have the rules of a, of a dream. And, and so for me, it, it makes me challenge myself. Whenever I take a play, I, I, I say to myself, well, don't just, don't just do this play the same way you did the other plays, right? Each play, challenge yourself to, well, what, what are the rules of this play? What are the rules of this world? What's the form of, of this play as, as a director? And, it, and, and you can even see it in our Alley at Home um, offerings because, for example, Jabberwocky and Half Sheet of Paper, we said, okay, let's, let's actually take two completely different approaches to the same piece. So, so people can see what it's like to kind of question what's the form of this, you know, mm-hmm. not just, Oh, here's another realistic play and we're just going to do it the same way yeah. we do every play. And so, so I, that's the thing I learned the most from, from Strindberg and that, that I take into my yeah. um, life. There's no really one correct way to do theater. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which is really interesting to me, considering the fact that Strindberg had talked about wanting to establish uh, sort of a uniform 
and methodical way of doing theater. Like he wanted to reduce playwriting to a science that could be replicated, but he ended up achieving the opposite effect. It's true. It's true. You know, I think you're thinking about um, the preface to Miss Julie, which is a Mm -hmm. really famous treatise on, you know, what, what a realistic theater, uh, an observed theater might, might look like. And again, he, something cool about him is he, um, he really kind of one up to everybody else. You know, Ibsen was writing realistic plays, but that, you know, they, by, by being like clockwork, the way Ibsen's mind worked, they were almost too neat. And, and, and Strindberg wanted to be a little bit more messy. He said, you're like, when, when you build the set for Miss Julie, don't, don't have this, don't have the audience looking at the set at an angle that's presentational, that, that's, that's symmetrical, you know, for the aesthetics of a theater, have it, have it be at odd angles. So you're, you're, you know, as you would in life that you're, when you're just in a room and you, you, you're, you're, ne- you're never perfectly center in the room and looking, you know, and having everything be symmetrical, sometimes a little, little up to the side. And he, he, he said, don't, don't paint back, don't paint any backdrops. Uh, don't have a backdrop with, it, it takes place in the kitchen. He said, don't have a backdrop painted with pots and pans have real pots and pans there. And, and, um, so, so that was his idea for, for that. But another thing that you got to know with Strindberg is that he changed his mind. He would, mm-hmm. he was very, uh, adamant about whatever he was arguing at the time, but it just changes all over the place. So it's easy to read one thing he wrote, um, whether that be about, um, how, how theater should be done or whether it should be about the relations between men and women, um, and think, well, that's how he was his whole life. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. He just, he was, he would just radically go from one extreme position to the other. And, and, yeah. um, and, and so you've got to kind of take, you know, take it, take, not, not take it with a grain of salt, but just realize there's, there's always going to be more, more to the story with him because he wasn't just, um, you know, he didn't have a method that he just, or a, or an ideology that he just believed in from start to finish of his life. Can't be pinned down. Yep. Which, he does have a very sprawling, you know, oeuvre of work, and it all it is very different. It's very um, eclectic and varied. So I'm curious about what drove you to choose these specific plays for the Alley at Home season. Yeah. Um. And you're right. I mean, it, it, we know him, uh, you know, for these for these plays. But in Sweden, uh, he he wrote history. He wrote poetry. He wrote short stories. So he 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 just has a lot um, to offer. But you know, these plays are really like little little gems. Um, the Strindberg plays we're doing, they're mm-hmm. um, you know they're they're stronger. Um, it's about 12 minutes mm-hmm. and, and pariahs probably about 25 minutes. So they're not plays that we would normally do at the, at the alley. If we were live and in person, they're, they're too short, but they're great plays. And, um, when the pandemic hit, I, I realized, Oh, this could be an opportunity. <laughs> you know, I mean, of mm-hmm. course there's a lot that's terrible about the pandemic and I'm, I'm not, I'm not minimizing that. And, and we're missing a, a lot, but, but, but there is a silver lining. 
And and I, I said to myself, oh, this could be an opportunity to do some of these great, great plays that theater people know, but most audiences never get a chance to see. And you add to that, that, you know, especially early in the pandemic, when people were getting used to their jobs being looking at a screen for eight hours a day, you know, a lot of people felt like at the end of the day, I don't want to watch a, you know, three hour full length play, you know, something short is, you know, online is really welcome. So I thought, you know, these short plays, which really don't fit the medium of the Hubbard or the new house, really are, are are great for um, the online world. Mm. Yeah, I, I was curious about like whether or not these plays, if you think they ever would have been performed if we hadn't been you know forced to do an online season. Um, th- do you think that they could have been performed online even if any of this hadn't happened, like as maybe in a season add-on or something? Do you think you ever would have arrived to that idea? Well, Luke, that's, that's a great, that's a great question because, um, yes, we, uh, I do, I don't think we would have done them on stage, but yeah, um, they're great for online. And then on the other hand, um, there's an, an enemy of the people, which we're, we're going to be doing online. And that is a full-length play. Mm-hmm. And that is something you could imagine seeing on the Hubbard stage. But we probably wouldn't have done it for a couple of reasons. One is because it, we're doing it because it's meeting this moment. You know, it's, 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 it, it has a lot to do with the tension between keeping your community safe and keeping the commerce of your community going, and which I think we all experience firsthand now. Um, and so it really speaks to this moment. Um, and in, in theater, the way we program theater these days, you know, you, you start to program, you start to work on your season about two years in, in advance of doing it. So it makes it really hard to respond to something that's happening right now and say, I know the play that speaks beautifully to this current moment. Or of course, online, you know, we, we chose this play kind of early in the pandemic. We're doing it um, less than a year later and, and it's speaking directly to the current moment we're in. And that's something that the online world is really, is really helpful for. The other thing is um, years ago, you know, when, when the regional theater movement started, so 75 years ago, it was very common to do plays by um, Ibsen and Strindberg and Chekhov. I mean, these were, these were kind of regulars. Um, but people don't read these plays. They're not as familiar with these plays now mm-hmm. as, they were, as they were back then. Now, the cla- when you do a classic, it's usually Shakespeare because everybody reads Shakespeare in, in, in high school. So, so... I have, um, you know, there are two ways to kind of get, um, you know, seven, 700, our, our Hubbard stage is about 700 seats. To get 700 people a night to come see um, a play, it needs to be um, something that people have 
um, some connection to in, in, in some way. And so one thing I'm doing is I'm, I'm getting our audience to reacquaint themselves with these two playwrights so that, you know, when time comes, you know, even though I probably couldn't have done Ibsen in the Hubbard now, you know, as we start to gain more fans of, of, of Ibsen and Stridberg, it, it might become more possible. And the, the other thing people do often, because all actors love these plays, they love Chekhov, they love um, um, Ibsen and Strindberg, oftentimes a big celebrity will want to, do, you know, play the lead part. And yeah. sometimes, sometimes that's how theaters get, um, you know, get, get people to come. But we've got, you know, we've also got a resident acting company. We've got an audience who loves this resident acting company. And so sometimes maybe it's it's as simple as, you know, hey, this this is a project that really lets our resident acting company shine. You should come just for that very reason. And mm-hmm. and and um and Enemy of the People certainly fits that bill. Yeah. Let's talk about Enemy of the People for a little bit and the yeah. and the specific plays that we're working on here. Um, so you're doing plays by Strindberg and Ibsen. Mm-hmm. And at the very end of the season, you've got an Ibsen play with a Strindberg play right after it. Yeah. And Strindberg and Ibsen had a pretty legendary rivalry. Yes, yes. And they're kind of usually contrasted whenever yeah. people are talking about, like, the early modern plays and sort of how modernism slash naturalism got going in theater. So what kind of dramatic or thematic tension do you think is created by having these two playwrights in such close proximity to one another? Yeah. Well, you're, you're right. It's one of the most famous rivalries in theater. I mean, they, um, if you go to Ibsen's house today, um, above his desk is a huge painting of, um, of Strindberg. Uh, and, and it's a scary painting of, Str- of Strindberg. And, and, you know, of course, I mean, can you imagine having a, 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 an enormous oil painting of your chief rival, you know, mm-hmm. hovering above your desk where you write? And people said to Ibsen, well, why, why do you do this? And he said, oh, he said, it really inspires me to have that madman staring down at me. Um, and so... I, I love that Harold Bloom wrote a, a, a book of, of criticism called The Anxiety of Influence and, and just mm-hmm. how, how much of, of writing is trying to better a worthy rival. And, and I think that Ibsen and Strindberg certainly were worthy rivals. It, early, early in their career, it was often Strindberg who was answering, um, uh, Ibsen. So Ibsen wrote a dollhouse and, and which, which is really about, um, the role of women in society. And, and, mm-hmm. um, Strindberg kind of answered back with a, a, a number of plays, but Miss Julie kind of being one of the famous ones. Mm-hmm. And so, so they they kind of had a thematic, um, back and forth, um, early on. By the end, what's interesting is you really start to see Strindberg, um, influencing, uh, Ibsen. So his play, When We Dead Awaken, is much more kind of magical, spiritual, uh, mysterious. I mean, that's another thing that Ibsen, that Strindberg is really great about. You know, Ibsen is very, very practical. And you really see this with, um, Enemy of the People. Um, very, 
you know, uh, you know, the, the American playwright, I think who's most influenced by um, Ibsen is probably Arthur Miller. And then of course, all most TV shows um, are, are based on kind of, you know, like, um, um, like police um, shows where like that you're, or, or detective shows where you're, you know, you're kind of unraveling a mystery and, you know, you, you get to the commercial break and you've just got to find out what's coming next. I mean, that's, that's very much kind of an Ibsen type thing. I mean, he, he, his plays really, uh, draw you along with a lot of, a lot of suspense. So, so his plays are very practical, very well crafted. Um, but Strindberg's plays are much more magical and mystical. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, um, and you really see that with, um, Pariah. <laughs> 